Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face, if not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. So, thank you, coronavirus. Where are the silver linings in all of this pandemic ugliness? Last week we saw two silver linings, uh, a little bit more about the second one today. Well, here are the questions that we're going to be discussing after the lesson to give you a little time to be thinking about them. But there's always a question behind the questions. Whenever we put those up, and it's a question you hear a lot in our community, it's a simple one, one that we try to normalize whenever we're together. It's the question, how's your soul? So today, we have questions for discussion. And they'll help us break the lesson down into usable chunks. But an even more relevant question is, how is my soul in relationship to rest? How is my soul in relationship to rest? We're all being invited to recalibrate our relationship to rest. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Uh, There are telltale signs that we are out of balance. Yeah, let's talk about that. But you could let all of that go if you wanted and just talk about this. Uh, How is your soul in relationship to rest? Uh, How do you want to do better? How could you do better? What's going on with you regarding rest? Um, I've had some long hour days recently. But Denise and I are at a different stage in life. Uh, Even with the longer days, I am able to rest. I am able to recover because my kids are up and they're out. I can take a quick nap before I head into the evening. I can do that in my life but I have been carrying in my heart a burden for our younger families. I'll have to talk a little bit about that in the lesson because at some stages in life, what we're going to talk about today is really, really tough. Tougher than it is for my stage of life. Uh, So maybe if you're in my stage of life, be thinking about how you might be helping those who are in those other stages of life. Okay, I will put these questions up again after we finish the lesson introduction, but even when I do, remember, the question behind the question is always, how's your soul? How's your soul? All right, so we have seen that the pandemic is breaking up long-standing patterns and forcing us to a time of introspection, forcing us to a time of reflection, asking ourselves what really matters, asking ourselves what's really important. So today I want to go back to what we talked a little bit about last week and say a little bit more about how this moment in history is inviting us to recalibrate our relationship with rest. But first, a quick digression into Stoicism. (laughs) Uh, You might have noticed if you follow these kinds of things that the Stoics are trending lately, which is a good thing because look at us, we're going back and rediscovering wisdom from the past. When the world stops working as it has, we start digging around trying to find out why. So that's another reason, thank you, coronavirus, because we're digging around trying to find out why. We rethink practical stuff, day-to-day stuff, we do. But we also have to rethink the underlying narratives that drive the everyday stuff because our behaviors are informed by our instincts and our instincts are informed by the underlying narratives that we carry around in our heads. And so the Stoics are making a comeback because they've got a pretty good underlying narrative. 
Now here's the Sparks Notes version of uh, the Stoics. Now I say Sparks Notes, and then I wonder if that's relevant. When I was a kid, it was Cliff's Notes. <laughs> and then do people use Cliff Notes, or do they use Spark Notes, or do they forget it all and just go to Wikipedia now? <laughs> I think we could just skip all of that stuff. Anyway, here's the brief version. Number one, we cannot control the laws of the universe, but we can seek to understand them. We can't control the laws of the universe, but we can seek to understand them. Number two, do that, and we can begin to align ourselves with those universal principles. We can work with them. We can organize our lives around them. So, they say, search diligently for the big overarching principles, the universals that define a life well lived. And when you find them, love them. When you find them, cherish them. When you find them, attach yourself to them. And that process they call wisdom. Find out how things work and then diligently attach yourself to that way of being. That's a recipe for a life well spent. Seek wisdom, the way things work, then diligently attach yourself to that way. Well, three, do that for any length of time at all, and you're going to run headlong into virtue. Find out how it works, attach yourself to how it works, and you're going to run into virtue. Because what virtue is, the Stoics say, just the things that people do when they attach themselves to the big universal principles. Attached to wisdom and what you end up doing is virtue. And, quite helpfully, they compiled for us a list Cardinal virtues that happen when you attach yourself to the big overarching principles. First, understanding. That's one of the virtues. Understanding what the big things are. Second, courage. The courage to embrace the big thing and move toward the big thing and change up your life and do something different so that you can live in the big thing. And then, self-control. The self-control necessary to stick to that big thing over the long haul. And then fourth, justice. Commitment to all of us, not just me and mine, but all of us sharing the goodness of the big thing. Now, if you grew up in church, you're familiar with those virtues, but maybe not uh, using the language that the Stoics used. You might be uh, familiar with different synonyms, but we talk about the same stuff. Seek understanding, that's in our scripture. Love wisdom, Proverbs is full of that. Be strong and courageous, stand firm, stand for the oppressed, care for those in need. Well, if you grew up in church, you'll also be familiar with the Stoic quest, the search, the journey. Now, in the last 150 years, we Americans have kind of diluted our tradition's understanding of the word salvation. We've made it a one-time pray-a-prayer kind of thing, but that's not really the wisdom of the ages around that term. That word, salvation, it's a journey word, it's a quest word, and it maps quite nicely onto the Stoic quest for wisdom and for virtue. Different words, same idea. Seek the principles, align with them, love them, attach to them. You might have heard the word sanctification used, but that's kind of what it's talking about. So, for example, we would attach to the big universal that we carry the divine within, every one of us. So we attach to that truth and then do that for any length of time and you begin to treat others well. Hey, virtue. Uh, we call it the fruit of the spirit or fruit of the indwelling spirit. So no matter how you get to wisdom and virtue, the point is to get there. And as the pandemic and as social division are breaking our world, 
we're all being rather aggressively invited to get there, to get to wisdom and to get to virtue. We're being invited to revisit our assumptions and dig a little bit deeper. How does life work? How does human being work? Then find it and then love it, attach to it, and then stay attached for a lifetime. But of course, there's a problem. The universals, the big principles, they have fierce competitors. Now the Stoics called those competitors the passions. Our tradition calls the competitors the flesh or sin nature. And they are fierce, those competitors. So today we're going to talk about one of them. We're going to talk about one of those competitors, an anti-rest, ego-self-driven story that we tell ourselves that competes with one of the big core principles. Okay, that's the introduction, a little bit about the Stoics. Here are the questions to be holding in your mind as we're going through, we'll be talking about later. Keep in mind, these are the questions, even though the big question is, how is your soul in regard to rest? So again, the virus breaks the world. And in the breaking, highlights for us what's not working. Reveals things that we have attached ourselves to, and attached ourselves pretty fiercely to, that are some version of a not big truth, not universal principle. And, a one, and one that Americans are particularly susceptible to, we are pretty attached to some not universal principles around rest. I saw an episode of Naked and Afraid several years ago and I laughed because of how clearly it highlighted our American disconnect around rest. One of the partners, We've got to do stuff. We've got to make a net. We've got to set a trap. We've got to catch a bird. We've got to catch a snake. We've got to do better. We've got to build a better shelter. We've got to do stuff. 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 Which is all good stuff. All stuff that, you know, perhaps might, could have been done. Except that there wasn't a lot of those things around to be had. Now, the other partner got some water, uh, found some roots, cleared out a small sand pit under a big shady bush, and spent most of every day sitting in the shade, drinking water, eating a few roots, conserving calories. Now the first partner was very, very harsh, very, very critical. You're so lazy. We have important things to do and you're not helping and I'm doing it all, I'm carrying all the weight. Now, fast forward to the second week of their time out there in the sticks and they caught this part on film. The first partner, the go, 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 go partner, face plant, just dropped face first, out cold, fortunately fell into the sand, but out for the count, the medical group had to come out of the game. The other partner kept sitting under a bush, drinking some water, eating a few roots, sat there for another two weeks, then got up and walked out and won the game. <laughs> now, what stuck with me when I watched that was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> Because I do that. I do that go, 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 go thing. And I bet you do too. <laughs> I bet you're also familiar with the harsh words because they probably come from inside your own head. 
If you were to sit under a bush and drink some water and eat some roots, you might be having the words bouncing around inside your head, lazy or useless or worthless or you should be or you ought to be. So in our weekly meditations for I think two weeks, maybe it's been three, we're doing some self-examination around this issue of rest. Because we know that we need to rest. We even complain if we don't get rest. And yet, we tend to resist rest. We tend to put impediments in the way of rest. And that's always a good time to do self-examination when we see ourselves doing something that doesn't quite make sense. Why would we resist something that we know, we can articulate, we say with our mouths is good for us? Now, you won't be surprised. It's often an unconscious story that we tell ourselves that drives these kinds of disconnect behaviors. And one story that we've been exploring together in the meditations is it's deeply embedded in our culture. It comes from the residual of our Puritan work ethic. We earn the right to rest. We earn the right to rest. That's a story that we tell ourselves. We have to do enough before we deserve to rest. We have to do enough before we allow ourselves to rest. If we haven't earned it, we better do another load of laundry. If we haven't earned it, we better stay at the desk. We better not sit down. We better not go home. Now, when we say that out loud, the story itself is crazy. It's like saying we earn the air we breathe. No, rest is baked into human being. But it doesn't matter because fierce competitors. It doesn't matter because we've got a story that we tell ourselves. It doesn't matter that we resist the big truths. There are competitors to them. The passions, the Stoics call it, the flesh, the Judeo-Christian tradition calls it, the false self, the ego stories that we tell. There are competitors, and one of those competitors makes a fierce struggle that we, many of us, have with rest. It's very difficult to rest before the list is done. We relax when there's nothing left hanging over us. Stuff gets done, then we rest. But week after week after week, the stuff doesn't get done. In fact, if it does, we kind of mindlessly, just out of habit, say yes to some more stuff so that we put more stuff on the list, thereby ensuring it never gets done. We long for rest, we complain that we don't have enough rest, and yet we feel anxious when we do rest. So, that's many of us. It's kind of an American phenomenon. We have a dysfunctional relationship with rest. We associate rest with guilt. We have rest that we actually find stressful. So, Stoics, thank you. Let's look for and let's attach to the big universal principles. And spiritual tradition, what do you got? Have you got any big universal principles for us around rest? And it turns out, yes, we do. It's an old one. Been around for a long, long time. It's also been soundly ignored for a long, long time. And I hesitate to mention it because some folks grew up in a rigid version of it, a rule-driven version of it, and nobody likes that. So today, let's talk more about principles and less about the rules. But even so, get yourself ready. You're probably going to have an eye roll. You're probably going to think, really, that's what you got. And here it is, Sabbath. <laughs> Sabbath rest. 
Now here's the thing, a lot of us have dismissed that concept and sometimes we've dismissed it for good reasons. But here's the thing also, we collectively are suffering from a collective dysfunction around rest. So it might be worth revisiting that thing that has been so soundly dismissed. Because the concept of the Sabbath is actually a lovely one. It isn't about rules and it's not about limits. It's not about what you can't do. It's not about what you have to do. It really is a good for us, but also feels good kind of thing. Well, it turns out that how we rest is one of the big ancient truths. And so the Stoics tell us when you find one of those big ancient truths, courage to do it to take it up, to do a different thing, discipline to stick to it and do that against resistance over time, guard it, protect it, love it, fight for it. Now, because of our Puritan work ethic narrative, we Americans, we don't really get the concept of approaching rest as a discipline. That just doesn't really compute for us. Uh, we tend to approach rest as a reward. It's something that we do if... If we have done all the important stuff, if we have finished the other stuff, then we reward ourselves. We don't think of it as a discipline. So here's an example. Look at your own thoughts as we just use this example. So here you are. You intentionally walk by a pile of laundry and you say to yourself, not today, laundry. Today is reserved for rest. Now, do you think of that? Well, first of all, would you ever do it? But let's just say you would do it. Do you think of that as a discipline? More likely, you think of it as laziness. More likely, you think of it as some kind of a character defect. I should. Or, here's another example. You go out for a slow stroll on the greenway, even though you've got stuff still on your to-do list. Now, this is not a fitness walk. This is not a march where you're trying to get your heart rate up. This is really just walking in order to quiet your mind. So if you imagine that, do you think of that as a discipline? More likely, you think of it as a luxury. You think of it as something that you indulge in when you've got extra time. Well, that's the case for mo most things that make it onto a approved activities for a Sabbath list. And there is such a list. It's a robust list hammered out over time. The tradition suggests these are things that are appropriate for Sabbath rest. And we don't tend to think of any of them as disciplines. We tend to think of, that, of them as rewards for a job well done. We tend to think of them as luxuries because we've done some extra stuff. Or worse, we think of them as laziness or idleness or loafing. And yet the wisdom of those gone before us says, yeah, it's not that way. Now, who thinks of having a day set aside for making love? Or a day set aside for unhurried time with family? or for eating with friends, or being in nature, or reading a book, or playing with a child, all Sabbath rest kinds of things, who thinks of those as a discipline? Well, the spiritual tradition does. In fact, makes it one of the big universal truths. Insists that rest is built into human being. Well, if it is one of the big universal truths, the Stoics tell us we better protect it and we better fight for it. We better attach to it. We better fight for time sit, sitting on the porch, sipping a drink slowly. 
time spent making a phone call to someone dear to us or to someone who doesn't have many friends. We better fight for sitting by the water or baking a cake and then eating it with someone. Not a reward, not a luxury, not lazy, a discipline, a human need like air. Stoic principles, Judeo-Christian wisdom, discern the big truths, love those truths, serve those truths, fight for those truths. Mount the courage to go against the grain and embrace them. Mount the discipline to stick with the truths over time. Don't surrender as so often happens to attrition, one small episode at a time, evaporating it away. Well, the meditation we posted this morning is on a related issue, a self-examination around busyness. Uh, A little bit about that. Busyness can be good and busyness can be toxic. We practice self-examination so that we know which it is at any given moment in our lives. There are times for hard work. There are times for long hours pushing hard. The problem is there are also times for not hard work and not long hours pushing hard. And once a story gets set up inside of our guts like we earn our rest, we get blinded and it's very difficult for us to see, ah, this is one of those not work hard moments. This is one of those not long hours pushing hard moments moments. So, again, thank you Stoics, the quest and the courage and the self-discipline. That's actually where the whole rule thing got connected to the Sabbath. The wisdom of fiercely protecting once we make a commitment to one of the big truths. Because there will always be a voice in the back of our heads telling us not to walk by and leave the laundry telling us not to set aside time with the people that we love. And it's a loud voice because there is so much other stuff to do. So, the wisdom says, make a plan. Put systems in place that help you stick to the plan even when the passions tell you not to. Now, the pandemic has been especially tough on young families in our community. (coughs) That's actually all young families, not just the ones in our community. In the best of times, this is a demanding season of life. It's the most time and physical energy intensive season with kids. Now, that is somewhat balanced out by the fact that you get to hold them and you get to love them. But but it is still really demanding. And it's a season that usually coincides with getting our careers on track and housing, getting it, paying for it, fixing it. And at the best of times, it is several years of a daunting to-do list. It is several years of fatigue, sometimes even exhaustion. And then this year, add on top of that, a pandemic with school maybe going back to virtual, balancing kids at home, balancing uh, responsibilities at work. It's just a tough, tough time. So as I said earlier, if you are close to someone who's in that season of life, and I know many of us are already doing that, let's pitch in. Let's try to help. Let's relieve some of the stress, offset some of the time. But this uber-demanding season of life, the Stoics speak to it. So maybe you're not in that season of life, but you're in some other season in which you feel daunted and overwhelmed. And the Stoics speak to you. The tradition speaks to you. And it says you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for time that is spent not doing. 
You're going to have to fight for rest. You're going to have to fight for Sabbath time. Fail to do that, and as tough as things are, they will get tougher. It is going to be difficult, the tradition tells us. We have to discern which no's that we say, and they will be difficult no's to say so that we can say yes to rest. Now, this is especially so if you have a strong closure impulse in your personality. I do. And I did damage to myself and to our family in those years when our kids were young. Uh, I didn't say the proper no's so that I could say the informed, attached to the bigger principle yeses. I wasn't discerning enough of the big truth. The wisdom does tell us we do not earn our rest. Rest is a need. It is not a luxury. It is not laziness. And it must be fiercely protected with discipline. And a tried and true approach, been around for a long time, is to set aside a day every week, every week to do the things that are restorative. And to not let that day slip away one small compromise at a time. It's going to be difficult. The competing voices are strong. And so the Stoics tell us, fight for it. Fight for it. And so in dwelling divine attached to the bigger truths, may we be. And a recalibrated relationship with rest. Because, pray God, this pandemic is going to end. And when it does, may we live differently on the other side. Amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your tithes and offerings. And as you do that, let's remember what we say all the time, that an investment in community returns a great dividend. Uh, when we give our time and our energy and our love and our dollars to spiritual community, what happens is the other folks in the community take that and then give it back. And there's a compounding effect in terms of how that transforms our lives. So let us give to one another, give to the community, and let's give the dollars that it takes to keep us healthy and well, doing well. Uh, we do that on our website, donate button. You can find everything you need there. Now in a moment, we're gonna dismiss the folks on the live stream. We're gonna do what are you thinking here in the room. Hopefully, we'll be able to invite you to join on Zoom soon. But again, we're kind of getting our act together doing this. So the questions are up. I also put them in the live stream notes for those of you who are online. Uh, they're there so you can have that discussion at home if you'd like to. Well, if you would, please put your hand on your heart and let us remember as we go that we are all carriers of the indwelling divine. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, they're in us because we carry the breath within us. And if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You all are dismissed. We are not dismissed. We'll get together for just a moment. So. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you